This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, this is Front Row on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Her story and his story are a collection of 20 insightful monologues described as being colourful, surreal, humorous and deeply introspective, which will be staged in two instalments over January and February this year. So today on the show, I'm joined by Far Abdul. She's a playwright, she's a director and a columnist, and she joins me to share more about these productions, which started, which was started off by her as an online playwriting project during the height of the pandemic. Welcome Far, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Juliet. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today, Far. So, as I mentioned, you know, so many things, a lot of writing, uh, you know, in your life there uh, as a playwright, as a columnist, I believe with Malaysia Kini, isn't it? Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what got you interested in writing in the first place. Uh, I know you have something called Big Nose Productions, which you formed in 2013. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, I actually started writing pretty young. Um, at 13, I started writing um, for readers' column in newspapers because my dad got me a typewriter and said, write, whatever you think, just write. So <laughs> I love that's, it. That's... <laughs> typewriter somehow, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So every week I would make it, uh, you know, a point to send at least one article to the newspaper where I would just, you know, share my opinions about everything. And so and mind good. you, I was just 13 at that so time. So good. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I have to be thankful to my parents because, you know, uh, my dad, he always encouraged me to have my own thoughts and to share my thoughts with others. Whereas my mom, she was a storyteller in the family. So, yeah, she would just pluck something from the sky and just, you know, tell us a story. So, I grew up listening to stories and writing stories. So, yeah, eventually I landed up where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> okay, it's just embedded in your DNA. Lah. There was no escaping it sound by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and talk to me a little bit about Big Nose Productions. So you formed that in 2013. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, before Big Nose Productions, I was already uh, doing some script writing work with RTM. Uh, I worked a lot uh, writing about uh, children TV, children magazine programs and, you know, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So in 2012 was my first experience attending a theatre show. Okay. Can you believe that, you know, in 2012? And then same year, I was so blown away with the show that I watched in KL Pack. Mm-hmm. And I took a playwriting workshop in the same year. And same year too, in Short and Sweet Theatre Festival, I joined uh, the festival. And then I was just smitten i was smitten i i i knew that i wanted to be involved in theater Mm -hmm. so i started writing my own plays and i was eagerly looking for people to collaborate with but most of the people that i met they were you know they they had their own group their own theater groups and they preferred to work with their own team so i felt it was quite frustrating because i was a newbie and i wanted to work with someone but you know, how am I supposed to get my experience if no one wants to work with me, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. So then I told myself, you know what? Hey, that's fine. If no one's opening doors for me, I shall create my own door. Well done. So yeah, so 2013, I started Vignos Productions. And our first uh, show was In a Nutty Shell, which we staged in Kelpec mid-2013. Uh, and everyone from the director to all the cast members they were all newbies Wonderful. and it was a blast. Yeah. Okay. So we are staying strong with the concept. You know, it, we are, Big Nose Production is a community theatre group and we want to give uh, opportunity to people 
who love theater and who wants to be part of theater but without experience and want to start gaining experience at a certain point you know so we welcome them and we work with them mm. yeah that's so important isn't it having a sort of a, a community having a sort of like this a little bit of mentor mentee sort of relationship going because like you said how else are you going to learn and thrive and if you don't have that kind of support available yeah, true. Yeah. True. And obviously writing, like I said, you know, it seems like it's embedded in your DNA. But in terms of theatre, what sort of theatre excites you? Well, I believe that every theatre experience is special. But uh, my favourite would be plays that are reflective of our lives. I feel that we can learn a lot about ourselves by watching a reflection of our lives, uh, of ourselves or the society we live in on stage. Mm-hmm. So in fact, a lot of my work are based on hours spent at mama shops and public places studying people and their interactions. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think, you know, that informs so much, right? You know, all your own personal experiences inform so much of, you know, what you end up writing about, isn't it? Write about what you know, they always say. And I, I'm so curious about this. I stole this question from the internet, full disclosure. I thought it was amazing. Um, if you <laughs> were to create your own personal playwright family tree, how would you trace your theatrical genealogy? Okay, instead of creating my playwright family tree and trace my theatre ancestry, let me tell you about my real family tree. Okay, okay. go for it, go for it. Well, my great-grandfather came to Malaya in the 1900s with his father. They were both cotton weavers back home in South India. So when they reached Penang, there was not much to do. So my great-grandfather decided to sell pants by the roadside. Okay. All right. Yeah. Later on, when my grandfather grew up, he ended up becoming a typist who offered his services outside the Penang High Court. Okay. Okay. So keep in mind, from pen seller, they evolved into a typist. And then now, his daughter, my mom, grew up loving books. But due to poverty, she was forced forced to stop schooling at 14 Mm -hmm. and then married off at 16. But her love for books and stories was so deeply rooted that she channeled them to her children. So then, you know, it brings us to me. I grew up listening to my mom's story and I was so fascinated at her ability to create stories instantly. So naturally, I too grew up with, you know, deep love for stories. And and from a pen seller, we evolved to typists, to uh, love for books and stories, and then now here I am staging, you know, stories in stage. That is an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. And now I see why your dad gave you that typewriter as well, isn't it? It's just sort of <laughs> carrying on that tradition. Um, and I mean, speaking of the works that you have done, you know, I was reading about this, uh, that in February 2019, you had a production which was called Sex in Georgetown City, and that had to be called off uh, and had to be restaged under a new name. A lot of controversy, I think, surrounding the the, the topic and the, the um, content. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Well, um, Sex in Georgetown City uh, was a reminder to me personally that we live in a highly hypocritical society, a society that endorses female mutilation to curb our sexuality, a society that celebrates men's sexuality by allowing polygamy and child marriages. But at the same time, the same society gets super duper offended with the word sex. Now, the the whole fiasco surrounding sex in Georgetown City is about the title, about the word sex in the title. And uh, the problem was uh, initiated by a few religious groups 
They label the play as a sex party on stage promoting LGBT and free sex. So um, we actually explained to them that, you know, the true nature of the play that is not sexual in nature, but it presents 10 short stories on how sex colors our lives as seen from different perspectives, you know, <laughs> but the noises only grew louder and finally reached the state government. And, you know, we were forced to change the title of the play to Love in Georgetown City. We thought, you know, by changing the title, the noises would just, you know, go off. But then we were wrong because uh, changing the title just made it worse because the religious group thought we were admitting that we were at fault. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nice. And finally, we, uh, on the night of the opening, uh, we had protesters flooding Penang Pack. And uh, we had uh, police officers advising us that it's better for us to shut down the production and uh, open it up again a couple of months later under a different title, a title that would be endorsed by them. So yeah, it was a, a, a very challenging decision. Um, I tried to maintain that we just wanted to continue and we didn't want to, you know, give in to the protesters. But then according to the police officers that, you know, if that was uh, our decision, then they would not be offering their services if there's any issues with the protest protesters. So in mm. regards to the safety of the audiences and the crew and stuff. So we decided to, you know, just call it a day. Yeah. I'm really sorry to hear that. That's really awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it was it was an experience. Yeah. It was a very expensive experience. <laughs> and I think you know, from what I understand, that only spurred you on more, isn't it, to talk about these sorts of topics, to to you know explore things that you know people aren't quote unquote comfortable speaking about in the public sphere. Am I correct in saying that? Definitely, definitely. I think the more. Uh, louder they get the more noise they make the more we have to talk about it because the aim should be to normalize this kind of dialogues mm -hmm. to 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 allow people to understand that you know there's no harm in talking about these things yeah definitely and and i think you know that's kind of where uh you know her story and his story also come in right so i know that her story showcases the work of 12 female writers his story will showcase the work of eight male writers of various backgrounds and age groups right and this is your second um theater project involving a monologue series am i correct talk to me a little bit about the genesis of your first attempt uh at monologues which i believe was called tales from the scars Yes, correct. Uh, first of all, I must say that I have not always been a fan of monologues. I like seeing <laughs> actors, you know, interactions on stage, the chemistry and the banters. So monologues have none of that. But um, as a columnist, I write pieces every week about people and experiences that I've encountered. And I've always been told how powerful the stories were. So I suppose Tales from the Scars was me challenging myself to produce a series of monologues that can be as powerful as dialogues. Mm -hmm. So thanks to Tales from the Scars, you know, the result was overwhelming, to be honest. I received amazing feedback. And eventually, I myself began to enjoy the process of producing monologues. Uh, quite honestly, I, I find monologues to be the best medium to express our emotions so certain types of stories, it does very well in monologue forms. Yeah. And, you know, her story and his story would be uh, something that, you know, proves this concept too. 
Mm-hmm. And talk to me a little bit about, you know, the genesis of both her story and his story. Like, as I mentioned at the uh, when I was introducing you, um, it started off as a project during the pandemic. Yes, I started her story as an online playwriting workshop in 2021. At the time, many of us uh, were still working from home and socializing was still restricted. So everything was done online. I was working with Penang Pack at the time. And we were quite busy organizing online events where everyone, you know, which everyone could enjoy. So at about that time, I received a few messages from public asking about online writing workshops for adults. I suppose that people were getting bored at home and, you know, they just, they were desperate to reach out for some connection. So that's when I planned the project. You know, to be honest, I was also kind of desperate for connection <laughs> you know imagine. so i i just welcomed him like come let's let's have a group therapy and we meet every <laughs> week and let's just share stories and write stories together okay that's awesome and, and it continued isn't it uh, not just 2021 when we were in the lockdowns but also uh last year 2022 isn't it yes so uh, unfortunately penang oh. had to be closed down in the midst of the project right. so i had to oh, continue yes. his story on my own and I'm so, so thankful that the Actor Studio and KLPAC agreed to collaborate in this project and give life to the stories. Okay, all right. And and I guess, you know, when, when you were doing this, aside from, you know, making those connections and, you know, just, I guess, you know, being supportive of, you know, everyone who was locked up at home at the time, what were you hoping to unearth or, or perhaps achieve uh, from the stories? Um, the 20 stories featured here are not fictional. So they are not like a novel or a short story we read on magazines. The stories are part of someone's life. They are stories of struggles, regrets, dreams, hopes. These stories are relevant to all of us because we too have experienced struggles, regrets, dreams and hope. So ultimately, I wish the audience would be able to see that while our journey and experiences may be different, we all go through the same ups and downs in life. And I hope that these stories will be able to bond us together as a society who understands each other better and are kind to each other. And um, there are, there are, as I mentioned, many stories that we're going to see and hear, right? I mean, talk to me a little bit about some of the featured uh, plays. You know, how would you describe the monologues? You know, what do they touch on? Those sorts of things. And who are some of the featured playwrights as well? Yeah. And the theme touches on different elements of human conditions, such as regrets, love, loneliness, mental health, uh, broken family, sexuality. But one theme that I find uh, binding everything is acceptance. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's interesting because we only realized this during our uh, rehearsal sessions. We had online rehearsals and then we had physical rehearsals. So during physical rehearsals, we had the pleasure of, you know, really opening up to discussions. And we realized that, you know, it's so interesting that ultimately all we want is acceptance. It's it's how we as humans, we just want to be ourselves and loved for the person we are mm-hmm. without any set of expectations. So that was really, really um, nice, you know, to 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 hear from all the plays coming together. So um, regarding some of the stories, I can tell you the story that was written by our youngest writer, who is 13 years of age. 13? Wow, following your footsteps. Yes, okay. (laughs) The piece is titled A Letter to Death. So it tells about her struggle to live following her parents' divorce. It's so raw. 
but it's written so beautifully that it's so painful to listen because we know that the writer is a child and you know when a child writes such uh, pure feelings and emotions you know the experiences that the child was going through must have hurt her so much you know yeah. so that piece for me was really really captivating knowing that a young child can go through so much in life okay that must be really tough right i mean to, to hear it because it's really something that's very very strong raw and powerful and and that's something i wanted to talk about as well you know i mean whatever story a well-written story it's always you know very gripping right um regardless of what format it's in but monologues you know as you mentioned it's just you and and the audience you know it's, it's just that one person um you know and it's quite intimate uh, would you I, I would say right how would you describe it you know how would you describe the power of monologues uh the intimacy that it offers you know both to the person performing it but also to the audience i feel monologues are so powerful because the story entirely depends on the words uttered by the actor with minimal actions and movements and it's it's the one thing that i keep on telling my actors you know in every rehearsal sessions that you're actually telling this story not to a hall full of audiences, you're telling this story to your best friend. Mm. You know, that's the feeling of intimacy that we wish to achieve in her story and his story. And the audience would, you know, would not feel like they are audiences. They would feel like they are part of the story because the person who was telling them is just opening up their heart and telling them something that is so precious and so raw. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And um, so you mentioned actors, right? So uh, how exactly will it be? How you know will the monologues be presented? So we've got, uh, I mean, are the writers, any of the writers, the playwrights performing themselves or it's all uh, different cast members uh, performing the monologues? The monologues will be presented by performers. Initially, I did consider having the writers present their own stories. But during the workshop, I realised that almost half of the writers wish to remain anonymous as the stories they were sharing were very, very private in nature. Sure. You know, okay. some of them even did not want their pictures to be published. Sure. You know, yeah. so because it's it's something very private. So just had to um, respect their wishes. And so therefore, I decided on casting a group of performers to do the job. But interestingly, having performers present the monologues, it has shifted the dynamic of the stories. Okay. You know, because yeah. I feel more layers has been added to the monologues in terms of theatrical expressions, you know, and with all the creative juices blending in, I think the monologues have become pretty solid. Okay, really, I'm really excited. I can't wait to see it. And after everything that we've sort of been through these past few years, isn't it? Why would you say both her story and his story are important stories for audiences to see now, you know, as we enter this new year? Um, how do you think the stories will resonate with our audiences, uh, you know, today in 2023? I think the stories will definitely resonate with the audience because... The stories we will hear on stage are so relevant to our lives. You know, if, yeah. if we usually read about a certain topic, say about forced conversion, about racism or mental health, you know, we are just reading it from, you know, perspective of a writer or a journalist or a reporter. But now we get to hear it from the people who have experienced it firsthand, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes the stories and the monologues, you know, very different from the pieces that you might have heard before. 
Okay. All right. So, so uh, rehearsals are ongoing. Uh, her story is going to be performed first, isn't it? That's uh, coming up uh, from the 12th of January right up to the 15th of January. And then his story will take place in February. Am I correct? Yes, correct. Okay, all right. So it's happening very soon, uh, just next weekend. Uh, if you want to get your tickets, you just need to head to cloudjoy.com. That's C-L-O-U-D-J-O-I.com. So again, her story starts on the 12th of January and runs up to the 15th of January. It's happening at Pentas 2 of KL Pack. It's 105 minutes with a 15-minute intermission. And I do, and it's going to be presented in both English and Malay. Am I correct? Yes. For her story, we have three pieces in Bahasa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest of it would be in English. But for Bahasa pieces, we would have subtitles in English. Okay, all right. But um, I do understand there's also an advisory, right? Because there is some mature language and content. Uh, yeah, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, yes. Okay, uh, so the age limit for folks to attend is 15 years old and above. Uh, and his story will also be presented at Pantas 2. Um, that one is about 80 minutes long. Uh, also, same thing, age limit, 15 years old and above, you know, mature language and content. Um, and that is happening on the 23rd of February. Uh, and that goes on right up till the 26th of February. So there's about a month plus in between both productions, right? But tickets are already available, am I correct? Yes, grab your tickets. <laughs> grab your tickets now. Thank, thank you so much for, for joining me today. Before I let you go, any any last message or any final sell that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, I think we, we don't normally get to catch this kind of productions, you know, uh, productions that focuses on real stories from people, you know, stories from people that could be our colleagues, our family member, our friends, our neighbours, you know, it can be anyone. So um, the stories are truly, truly precious. And um, the, these stories would initiate dialogues and conversations even after your uh, experience as audiences. And I feel, I personally feel these are the kind of productions that people should go and watch, you know. One of the best things about theatre for me, in uh, you know, personally is um, it encourages conversations and dialogues afterwards, you know. So I wish everyone would go and watch it with an open mind and then, you know, on your way back home, start talking about the issues, you know, and just start having dialogues with people about all the issues that you would be raising through her story and his story. Because... All the issues are very relevant to our lives in our society. Thank you so much, Far, for joining me today. I've been speaking to Far Abdul. She's a playwright, director and columnist. Uh, her story and his story are a collection of insightful monologues set to be staged very soon. For more information, you can just head to klpack.org. Just search for his story and her story. Uh, if you'd like to buy tickets, again, that website to go to is cloudjoy.com. That's C-L-O-U-D-J-O-I.com. And there are no phone sales or over-the-counter sales. There's only e-tickets, so you cannot rock up there and get the tickets. Everything needs to be purchased online. If you miss any part of our conversation today, just download the podcast at bfm.my slash front dash row or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.